Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Gospel reading today really sends a strong message when you heard it and then you say, Praise to you, O Christ. Not a lot of gospel in those words. It's really hard to hear what Jesus says. I mean, he speaks to those struggling over unjust killing or about the pain of tragedy. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you all likewise perish. We have a burning desire to assess the marks of a sinful world under the law. We do it all the time when we watch the news and talk about the times. There are the why questions over what happens. Just as the how answers to how we might correct and make it all right again. The solution is more straightforward by Jesus. Repent. However, of remorse over mistakes, a secular society empty of God can still confess the need of self-correction. And yet only the Christian holds to repentance that includes faith born out of the one and only gospel or how by absolution from Christ's sake Sins, because of him, truly are forgiven. Tragedy and injustice overcome this world all the time. It isn't just on the TV screen. It's each and every one a part of our lives. A certain injustice and a certain tragedy you have faced, and I can guarantee you will face. All of us. It's like an ever-increasing waves with the tide also rising. The world is lost, and souls in it. Though, if the church will not live by repentant faith in Christ alone. And so the parable from Jesus about for a fig tree, it summarizes God's long-suffering character and that desire of repentance. St. Paul reminds the Corinthian church as an apostle how their strain was not centered on the gospel. They're all off-centered from the crucified Jesus for them. Our focus during Lent, as you know, has been on Joseph, a kind of type of Christ, and has been, a, has been a positive comparison from the Old Testament. St. Paul today uses Israel negatively to warn about their outcome of no repentance. God's grace is to the strain. And so turn again to Christ and the unchangeable truth of his word for us and the whole world. Some things, as you know, never change, and why repentance must go straight to the heart. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. St. Paul describes how Israel, they had it all, didn't they? 
when God brought them out of Egypt with a miraculous deliverance, with lots of things going on. The angel of death didn't harm them. They, they had the pillar of cloud. They walked through the Red Sea. All these miraculous things. However, it was unrepentant ways in the wilderness that brought about disastrous results. And so, as you know, maybe from Sunday school, over a period of 40 years, there was a scattering of bodies. And this wasn't because of just, oh, well, natural death kind of talk. It's because the punishing of God was over their wickedness. Matter of fact, when Israel finally came to the promised land, you know there's only two men that went into it from the original party, and that was Joshua and Caleb. That was it. They would enter with a new people. And even Moses, as you know, would not be part of that venture with God carrying his plan into the promised land. An unrepentant character did Israel in. And you've got to think about it in two ways. It did Israel in both in, as individuals and as a whole. Now, these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. There was a desire for evil by Israel in terms of coveting what Egypt had to offer them and despising God's provision by grace. The grace was that he gave manna from heaven, quail, and all that water from the rock kind of things, right? But oh, it was so much better back in Egypt when they were slaves. But they coveted those variety of things that came from the Egyptian people. The idolatry at Mount Sinai pressed Aaron into fashioning a golden calf to worship. And it led to partying and playing in promiscuity of all kinds. If the last example did not stick from St. Paul, he kind of tells it to you straight with the next one. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And he's referring to the story of the Moabites who were seducing Israel into honoring Baal of Peor using their very bodies with temptation. Again, testing the Lord came from their impatience. Remember? Traveling around the land of Eden. Of Edom, they couldn't go around it, and they tested the Lord, figuring there had to be an easier way to do it. We don't want to do the hard stuff. And so, serpents. And at last, grumbling against God and Moses, because they saw fears that rejected to enter the promised land when those spies came back and reported about all the dangers. And they, those odds were not in their favor. You see, St. Paul gives five proofs to the Corinthians. And they go straight to the heart, frankly, for the church and every Christian through time. It's for us in our age today. Now these things happened to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages 
has come. The Corinthians, they had to face strain into spiritual immaturity. They had to fess up to divisiveness in their pews. Sexual carelessness that they really didn't take much care to deal with. Favoritism of all kinds. And flat out and frankly, worshiping idols. Even when they went to communion, they still liked the pagan gods. Lent calls us to repent over the same wandering ways unless we get swept away like Israel, taking for granted God and his good grace. If humanity forgets, as we say, if humanity forgets that we stand upon the shoulders of giants, right? What does it mean then about how more intense the times will be to these last days set upon Christians? I mean, if we forget we stand upon the soldiers of giants and we think we know stuff, we're going to forget the basics of what was given to us. But worse than that, the intensity of life, what's been given to us and passed on to us in the church was to battle in these days the realities of darkness, that we're going to be darker, not lighter. So, in the Lutheran Reporter, a newspaper for the LCMS, President Harrison stated this, the era of comfortable country club Christianity is over. And I'm okay with it. It will sharpen our confession of Christ crucified for sinners. As the church faces increasing harassment in the West, harassment will soon turn to persecution. It will fix our hopes on the certainty of the resurrection that awaits all the Lord's church. So you see, everything now, everything, whatever the times are, even before the times we've dealt with for the past couple years or what they are today, everything now turns us to Christ. That means injustice, in tragedy. It first goes to Christ and the unchanging truth of his word that does stand for you and for this world. It means repentance is not only God's desire for all to believe the gospel in a fallen world. Yeah, we want that. But it's the way of refreshment for his baptized all our days. Do you feel bad when you repent? I feel relieved. You see, St. Paul says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. The only kind of standing belongs to Christ alone. That's the, that's the point of Lent, right? When all is said and done, we're going through it. We get to Holy Week. Who stands? Jesus. And how is he standing? Lifted up on a cross. And his pride was over that kind of cross to be the sacrifice that does remove the penalty felt on the world. As Christ provided for Israel in spiritual ways, we benefit with the fullness to receive his glory as he comes now by his holy word and sacraments. This kind of stuff has been cleared out. 
and made very clear by Jesus suffered in death and given to us in those means of grace. God's saving power is at work to forgive sins fully and in every way. For the law was given through Moses, St. John says, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The last days are far more of a wilderness than even Israel had to manage. If you don't get in that mindset, you're going to miss the whole point. It means a greater confidence, but it's not going to come from us or our flesh. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. All that has come down to us from Scripture of God at work in the past is now for our benefit as a pattern put forward today against the darkness. So, think about the serpent lifted up on the pole, right? Everybody's getting bitten. There's a pattern there. And what's the pattern? You're all dying. And if you don't look at the lifted up pole serpent who is now Christ crucified for us, you too will die. That's one of the patterns. Luther saw through the fallen Israel in the wilderness. It's a horrific thing. If you're, not, if you're not listening to the text today, it's horrific. They all died. Forty years, all that generation died out before they could enter. But Luther saw through it. He writes, This record teaches that the church is at all times wonderfully governed and preserved by God without human agency. In the midst of manifold temptations, trials, sufferings, and defeats, Israel still entered the promised land. You still are justified, and heaven is the grace that God gives to you in the resurrection promised on the last day. You see, there is no room to covet past glories. So if you're ta caught in talking about that stuff, repent. If despair over present temptations, whether it's whatever kind it can be, from fears, sexual things, or whatever it is, repent. Just stronger. If the future trials and struggles set before us are too fearful to go forward. It will do no good to not go forward. Repent. Trust in the faithfulness of God and not the fallen state of his church. For he desires, his desire is to save and his grace stands. This is why the church is an offense. Because God is at work in his church. This is why you got to look beyond it to Jesus. Lift it up for us. Come with me and let. Go through Holy Week, I dare you. And more importantly, I dare you to go to Good Friday. Because outside of that one year of COVID when it came, on Good Friday, 
There are a lot of people watching. More people than I've ever have had at worship on Good Friday for 17 years as a pastor. That is where the rubber hits the road for our salvation and that of the whole world. Jesus Christ crucified. And so it's good news, you see. St. Paul opens up his letter to a very troubled congregation in Corinth. And do you know what he says? God is faithful, by whom you were called in the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's even before he gets down to the dirtiness and the ugliness. He already states it, and he states it again in chapter 10. God is faithful. Lent tells us if there is one thing to change, it's the place and purpose of repentance. Since God does the saving in Christ alone, repentance is being receptive to his forgiveness, open to it, and loving it. Favoritism and perks are for businesses. But God's long-suffering is for fruitfulness by his gospel. This fruit, you see, it will even serve a world of souls Trouble over the injustices of the tragedy, the fruit that Jesus gives you who believe, and what he gives in forgiveness for you. The Corinthians had to assess the situation rightly, and so do we before fears of judgment. God's grace is to the strain. It's to me. It's to you. To turn again to Christ, the truth of his word. And that is always good news. Amen. To the king of ages, immortal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.